The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast, our weekly look at the college basketball scene here in the uh, Rhode Island area. Uh, This is Kevin McNamara at the Journal alongside Bill Koch. Bill, back from D.C., looking good, feeling good? Fresh off a uh, morning flight from D.C., nice and smooth, nice solid hour. Uh, Actually caught up on some reading material. I've, I've had some Sports Illustrated sitting in the corner of my condo. Sort of gathering some dust. I, I think I was back uh, going into the MLB playoffs. Wow. So we're talking, yeah. you know, three or four months in arrears here. But you know, very nice to get out on the road and uh, you know visit a beautiful part of the country in the DC area. Uh, and I believe you stepped off the plane, got in your car, went to the ball game. You never touched foot in that lovely district of District of Columbia, which is just su- such a wonderful place this time of year. The, the only foot that I touched there was uh, at Reagan National Airport on the way to my rental car. It's not the district, though. It, it, well, that's you, you true. You go over that's the, true. Over the, uh, that's true. That is not the district. Over the Potomac. I, so. was, uh, I was out in Fairfax at George Mason uh, with the Rhodey Rams. Yeah, and uh, that's where we're going to start. The uh, red-hot Rhodey Rams. Seven wins in a row, uh, rolling through the Atlantic 10. Latest, a 78-64 win at George Mason. Uh, led it from pillar to post. Um, Mason had one quick lead th- uh, by one, three minutes into the game. But beyond that, Rhodey led the whole way, up 10 at the half. Uh, really what you're supposed to do against a team like George Mason. And uh, that's been the thing that's been most impressive to me with the Rams is outside of the uh, loss at Brown, or maybe since the lo- loss at Brown, uh, they've been very, very consistent. And the numbers here, uh, we'll go over them here quickly. You know, Rams shoot 50% from the field, um, make seven three-pointers on the defensive side, uh, only allowed uh, two of 19 three-point shooting by Mason, 38% overall, uh, just dominate on both sides of the, uh, you know, the, of the court. That's what you're looking for. Yeah, very complete effort. And you know, I really liked what Jeff Doughton had to say after the game when, when I asked him, I said, you know, these two road games, St. Bonaventure and, and George Mason, are, are sort of landmines ahead of VCU, the, the big rematch on Friday. And he said, yeah. He said, these are the types of games that can ruin your season. Um, so we're, we're on a nice roll right now. You know, We know where we stand in terms of the net and Ken Palm and, and our NCAA chances. And we know that you know, if we go and, and lose to a team like George Mason, that that, that could really hurt us. Uh, so the mental focus that they've shown here, uh, their ability to lock in mm. against the quote-unquote lesser opponents, I, I think that's been as impressive as anything that they've done on the floor. No, I, I agree. They really haven't been, well, I shouldn't say. They've been pushed. You know, LaSalle got it to a you know, one-two possession game at, at, uh, at the Ryan Center a couple weeks ago. But uh, on the road, you know, uh, Saturday, you made mention of it, uh, at St. Bonnie, sold out Riley Center, and you know Fats Russell can. I'm sure the little guy walked into that building and said, "Hmm, I, I'm going to have to show up today, big time." He goes for 29 and an 81 75 win. Uh, we've talked about Fats on the podcast, obviously every week, but maybe the most valuable player of the week so far has been Tyrese Martin. He had 14 points, nine rebounds at the Bonnies, and then against uh, Mason. 7 of 11 shooting, 18 points, 10 rebounds. Just, he's stepping up. They now have four 
guys they can really lean on. And he's really found his three-point shot. And I think that that confidence is going into the rest of his game. Uh, the last two against the Bonnies and against George Mason, seven for 14 from three. Uh, in the calendar year, 2020, prior to that, he was just two for 24 from three. So a big turnaround for him. Uh, something that he's obviously worked on behind the scenes in practice. And you know, he said he, he might have noticed a couple teams defending him differently, considering he wasn't making shots. Uh, but I think any time a player is able to be effective scoring the ball, um, it bleeds into the rest of their games. And you look at the way he's attacking the glass at both ends. Uh, last night, I thought he was very good defensively um, at George Mason. His, his rotations, particularly his weak side defense, w- was very good. Um, you know, so you're looking at that guy, and you add him to Fats, Jeff Doughton, and Cyril Angevine. You have four players leading this team. Uh, you know that's more than a lot of other contenders here will have. No, uh, people are still looking for answers, and it looks like again, uh, David Cox has you know four guys he can lean on pretty strong and. You know, last night, Jermaine Harris wasn't feeling well. Uh, and Antoine Walker, uh, back in his home area, uh, comes off the bench, plays 25 minutes, has 13 points. He, he's been either he or Jacob Toppin or, or, or Long, all three of them, someone's playing and playing significant minutes and helping pretty much every game. And they don't need eight guys. They don't need nine guys. They're really playing with six and a half uh, seven, you know, uh, for sure, and uh, that's all. That's all. All they need. Yeah, uh, Jermaine Harris is battling a, a right hip injury. Uh, only played two minutes against the Bonnies. Uh, the first two minutes of the game, he didn't come back in. Uh, last night at George Mason, he played seven minutes in the first half. Did not play again in the second half. Uh, and it almost caught up to Rhode Island. Actually, at one point, they were in serious foul trouble. Um, Makai Long fouled out of the game. Antoine Walker had to sit for a while. He had four fouls. Tyrese Martin sat for a while in the second half. He had four fouls. Uh, Cyril Langevin got his third foul inside the first three minutes of the second half. So you had some lineup juggling there from David Cox. You, you would have liked to go to the extra guy in Jermaine Harris. And, and I know he said after the game that you know a lot of this was precautionary and, and that he's hopeful to have him at full strength for Friday, which is obviously a huge game at the Ryan Center against VCU. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit right now. Um, uh, somebody said the other day, said, well, what are Rhodey's tough games? I said, well, Rhodey has their share of tough games. And I said, the big one, uh, you go one at a time, and the big one is Friday, VCU coming in. Uh, and, and the person's reaction was, ah, they got VCU. They, they, they've kind of dominated VCU of late. I'm like, okay, but, I mean, how comfortable do you feel about VCU Friday night? I would imagine you expect a really tight, typical war. Yeah, you're going to be a short favorite, you know, three or four point favorite at home uh, in front of what figures to be a great crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, but this is a team who you've really dominated over the last three or four years, um, you know, and and a team that has already lost to you on their home court. Uh, So obviously they're going to be ginned up for this one, Uh, you know, and and I'm sure Mike Rhodes is going to be telling them in this lead up, you you guys can't beat them. You haven't been able to beat them. What's wrong with you guys? Mm-hmm. You know, are, are you going to respond Friday? They're going to sweep you. It's going to get the, you know, he's going to give them the full Rocky speech, uh, I'm sure. Um, you know, and VCU as a team is more than capable of, of beating Rhode Island. Uh, you know, they're they're on a run right now where since the calendar flipped to 2020, um, out of the last nine games, they've lost to Rhode Island at home and at Dayton. Hmm. 
Hmm. No shame in either one of those. Um, they're 43 in Ken Palm. They're 33 in the net. Right now, they would be the second team to make the NCAA tournament out of the A-10. So, and so, uh, Stop right there, because I've seen that as well. Uh, Joel Lenardi, a few other people are starting to you know put their brackets up there. And I see VCU and Rhode Island really close with VCU slightly ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Why? They played head to head at in Richmond, and Rhode Island beat them. Yeah, it's it's uh, so it is that close, right? It is that close, and and you're going to go to scheduling gymnastics, and VCU has the best win out of the two teams beating LSU at home. Uh, you know that's probably the highest rate. That's the highest rated Ken Palm team that either team has beaten. Uh, LSU is 33. Uh, in Ken Palm. So if you're the selection committee and you wanted to include VCU and exclude Rhode Island, that that would be the grounds on which you would hold it. Sure. Yep. And then I'd vote for Rhode Island. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a 10-person vote, the um, committee things. And anyways, uh, my point is Rhode Island has uh, three games in the regular season left against teams ahead of them in the uh, in the net VCU and obviously two against uh, Dayton, who's all the way up to five, by the way, in the net, which is really really impressive. And and if you're Rhode Island and you want to just you know get rid of any of these debates whatsoever, you know should we be in ahead of VCU or whatever else? Sweep them, sweep them, sure. You make a very convincing case if you've swept the team. Uh, anyone who doesn't vote for Rhode Island ahead of VCU after a season sweep probably shouldn't be on the committee in my eyes. You know, if all other things are equal, if they're close in Ken Palm, if they're close in the net, and Rhode Island has two wins home and away, I I know who I'm putting on the top line. Sure, sure. And uh, as you said, VCU, um, I don't have their scores, Bill, in front of me. I know they've been basically doing what Rhode Island has done. Have have they been rolling through the A-10 or have they been struggling a little bit? Uh, Since the loss at Dayton, which was a game where, you know, they sort of got run over in the second half and and a lot of teams have. And had a 10-point lead. In the first half. They did. Uh, Four double-digit wins since then. Uh, Their most recent 87-68 over Richmond, their city rival. Uh, The scary thing in that game if you're a VCU opponent is VCU is 10 for 21 from three-point range. Mm. Uh, typically not a team that shoots at all that great. Uh, freshman really coming on off the bench. Bones Highland, who was a guy who Rhode Island and, and several big-time programs recruited, mm. uh, was 5-for-6 from 3 against the Spiders for all 15 of his points. Uh, if VCU and Rhode Island are, are very similar in that if they're going to be good offensively, they're going to be a tough out. And, you know, Rhodey has found some great rhythm here their last four games. Uh, three of those, their average points per possession, three of the best four games of the year. Uh, you know, so really starting to see some shots go in and starting to see uh, some production across the board. Yeah, I think you said that uh, maybe uh, four of the last six halves over 50% shooting. Yeah. That's uh, really good efficiency and what any coach uh, would take, that's for sure. Uh, so obviously big game, uh, not a sellout yet, but uh, if I was you, I'd I'd, I'd call down to the Ryan Cernick quickly. There can't be many tickets left for uh, Friday night's game. It'll be on ESPN 2, I believe, a 7 o'clock tip at the Ryan Center. Um, should we move on? We should. Move on. We're going to move on to the Providence Friars. They are going in the opposite way of the Rams. They've lost three in a row, four of five, in the midst of just a brutal stretch of their schedule. Uh, latest loss, 64-60 at the dunk against number 9 Villanova. It's the third, fourth, third uh, ranked team in a row that they've played. Mm. They'll play the fourth 
Saturday at Butler. Um, Bill, I know you watched the game. Uh, it's the exact opposite of what we're talking about with Rhode Island. The Providence's offensive execution efficiency continues to dog them because defensively, they're doing pretty much anything you know everything you need to do to win these games it's groundhog day for the friars right now it really is uh you know they play hard they play physical they defend well and at the other end they just let themselves down uh you know offensively just not good at all um they struggled at seton hall from the field they did it again against villanova three for 23 from three-point range uh, you know, some plays down the stretch where you had chances either to close the gap or potentially take the lead that resulted in a missed shot or a turnover. It, it's just got to be incredibly frustrating for, for the Friars, for Ed Cooley, for their fans um, to watch them play close in these games, uh, put out maximum effort in these games and you know just continue to come up short whether it be you know lack of skill at the end uh you know lack of a, an alpha dog to give the ball to at the end it's just something is missing there and they haven't been able to find it shot 23 percent in the second half uh 0 for 10 from the three-point line in the second half uh, so just struggled to 30 points in both halves uh, to get to 60, uh, you're not going to beat these these high level teams, top 10 teams uh, in the Villanova, scoring 60 points, and you almost did because again, defensively, uh, Providence has been pretty consistent through most of this uh, Big East stretch. But uh, you know, you you look back and you say, you know, what what could have happened to turn, you know, flip the switch, and everyone says, well, you know, uh, if they had beaten. Uh, Creighton, you know, that would have changed things. Well, well yeah, it, it would have been a win, and you'd feel a little better about yourselves. But, you know, when you shoot as badly as you did against Seton Hall and, and Villanova, you say, well, we just haven't we haven't conquered our demons. And, and uh, you know, Providence is back at practice. They have not uh, played since. They have a bye, midweek bye. And um, we were up there today talking with Ed Cooley and Nate Watson and A.J. Reeves, and you know, basically they're saying, well, we're close. We know we're close, and offensively we're better than we've shown. We've shown it in some games, but not on a consistent basis. And it's tough to buy into that, Bill, because, you know, we've we've seen, uh, well, 21 games. They're 11 and 10. They've played 21 games. I think we know what this team is. They play hard. Uh, they play really tough defense. They have, they're have they very physical. No one likes to play them. Um but when you shoot whatever they're shooting for the season, it is what it is. They're, they're 314 in the nation in effective field goal percentage, which combines shooting from two and shooting from three. Uh, they're 31% from three, which is in the 260s. They're 45% from two, which is in the 310s. Wow. Um, you know, so really just they struggle from the floor uh, badly. Um, you know, there's really no other way to say it. And, you know, I know Ed Cooley, uh, after the loss to Villanova, he said, you know what, we, we really need this week off. We need mm. this bye. And it's not just the players, the coaching staff needed. And, and, you know, I could almost picture Ed when he's saying that, maybe sitting in his office on campus at, at the Rouen uh, Development Center, and, and just sort of, you know, whether it's staring at the ceiling or at the wall or, or at video and thinking, what else can I try? Yeah. What else can we do to to try and you know get a little spark, get a little juice, you know maybe make life a little easier for us? Because when you can't score on offense, and we saw this at times with Rhode Island last year, and how bad they shot it from three point range, right? It just starts to bleed into other areas of your game and, and takes over your psyche. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. And uh, 
it's funny at the end of games, the games that they end up losing, you say, "Woo, geez, that's a bad shot. Wow, that's a bad shot." Well, guys start to press. Right. You know, when you get that's you right. know, when you've already played 35, 36 minutes, and and no one's making a shot, you just think you have to do it by yourself and that's the wrong way to think but it's it's also pretty understandable yeah there were a couple possessions there at the end uh against villanova particularly uh luan pipkins took a a rushed three-pointer from the right wing where he dribbled through the lane came back out on the other side and with 24 or 25 seconds left on the shot clock and about a minute to go in the game took a three that that missed Uh, and then you get the ball in the in the hands of you know what's probably been your best player at this point david duke in the lane with about 40 seconds to go and he turns it over and and it's just like you know what else can we try here you know we we had a guy take a bad shot we managed to somehow get out of it defensively and still have a chance to to cut into this and you know our best guy to this point turns it over and it's just like you're looking at it thinking we just have buzzard luck uh at this point now you you mentioned minutes played and i would want to go a little deeper into the villanova box to somebody who didn't play that many minutes in that game, and that yeah. was Alpha Diallo. Yeah. Uh, Alpha had uh, two early fouls in the first half, so only played uh, got it here. Uh, only seven minutes in the first half, uh, and then came out early in the second half with a few uh, turnovers right out of the shoot, took a bad three, and that was it for uh, Diallo. He didn't play in basically the final uh, 13 minutes of the game. Uh Afterwards, Ed Cooley basically said it just wasn't his day. And, well, it certainly wasn't his day. That's pretty clear. He he, he was 0 for 6, did not score. Um, that said, it's it's hard to win without Alpha Diallo if you're Providence. Uh, they went uh, – it's funny. Cooley has been going with uh, – once he finds a group that he settles in with, he rides them yeah. maybe a little too long. And I brought that up afterwards, and he, he – dismissed that he said you know there's no reason for these guys to get tired blah 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 uh fine but i see uh malik white 30 minutes david duke 37 minutes uh nate watson 33 minutes and then uh, pipkins ended up grabbing most of the minutes uh as well as aj reeves uh, that uh, that diallo would have would have grabbed and uh you know they made it interesting in the final minute against Villanova at home, so it's tough to say, you know, you made a bad choice, but uh, I think there was also an issue on the bench uh, with Diallo uh, when he came out in the second half of the final time, and I think in Cooley's mind, he just wasn't going to play him again. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see what goes, uh, you know, what develops fo- uh, you know, forward with that. He's he's an irreplaceable guy. He's, he's your leading scorer and leading rebounder. Um, and if you have, you know, issues with them, you you got to iron these things out. You know, Ed, uh, he has gotten married to to certain lineups mid game in the past, and I think it's you know, it's interesting that you bring that up ahead of Providence's next game, which is at Butler. Uh, for me, the most noteworthy example uh, of Ed getting a lineup that he liked and, and rolling with it was a win at Butler uh, in the 2014-15 season yeah. uh, where Ted Bancroft played 20 minutes in that game, uh, the majority of the second half. You, you had a bunch of scrappers out there, whether it was Chris Dunn, LaDante Henton, uh, and then Pascal Chukwu, Junior Lumumba, and Ted Bancroft I going remember, most of the way. I remember that game very clearly. Uh, you yes. know, and you, you're watching the game and you're thinking, okay, when's he going to go back to Bentel? Right. <laughs> when you know when's Tyler Harris going to come back in this game? Uh, you know where's Jalen Lindsey? What happened? He why is he playing the walk on? Mm. And it worked. 
And so I, I and Chuku at that point hadn't played hadn't played at all very much either. Sure, uh, you know. So I, I I just think it's you know it's interesting that that he still sort of tries to play that card mm-hmm. at this point. And, you know, there's certainly merits to it. Uh, you know, he, he finds a group that works well together, considering how offensively challenged they are. You want as many good looks at the basket as you can get. Um, and they're going to need all that they can on Saturday going back out there to play the Bulldogs. Yeah, a really good Butler team. We saw them a few weeks ago at the dunk. They came in here, and uh, defensively, they totally locked up the Friars. Uh, Providence had major, major problems scoring in that ball game, and uh, we'll see what type of uh, improvements and advancements that the Friars have made uh, Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock game uh, on FS1, and uh, where they get back into action and uh, in what's been just a crazy Crazy Big East schedule so far, but uh, Butler, uh, another top 25 team. If by chance, uh, here's a good one, if uh, by chance Creighton can get back into the top 25 on Monday, Providence would play Creighton, host Creighton next week. It would make five top 25 games in a row for the Friars, and that hasn't happened, uh, I looked this up, Bill, since like 1992. I was going to say, if you're getting that off the top of your head, gold star. No, no, oh, no, no, impressive. no, definitely not. And I didn't get it from uh, from Arthur Parks either because he, he can't predict the future right. and see where Creighton is going to be uh, next week. But Creighton was ranked when Providence went out there. They've fallen out of the poll, but certainly could uh, work their way back in by, uh, by Monday. By the way, the Rams had some poll votes this week. Six votes. Uh, uh they had two people vote for them. At 23. At 23. You looked it up as well. Good I did. for you. I did. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a voter. I did not vote for the Rams. Okay? I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. When I do vote for them, you'll know. That's right. Uh, we'll make that clear. Um, the two people who voted for them, it, it was bizarre. One guy is a radio guy from Washington, D.C., who I do not know. Yeah. And the other gentleman is from Orange County, California. Yes. Must be a big A-10 fan that, that he's tuning in and catching on to the red-hot uh, roadie ramps. Well, the, the winning streak grabs your attention. Uh, the fact that they're at the top of a, a multiple-bid league grabs your attention. Uh, you know, And the other thing is, you as, as I'm sure you wrestle with every week, you're looking at the Power Fives and you're thinking, I know this team is good. But they're four and four in conference. Right, they keep losing. Are you going to reward on yeah. paper? Or are you going to reward performance? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's, you know, that would be a, a very difficult thing to separate for me if I was a voter. Like I would look at, you know, I'd look at a team like Virginia. Virginia's good. Ugh. I know they're pretty good. I know they're probably an NCAA team, but they haven't played that great so far. They're six and four. They upset Florida State. Uh, on Wednesday night, huge win, obviously. Huge win. Uh, Tuesday night, sorry. Their best win of the season because I've seen them a decent amount. I don't think they're good at all, but that they would beat uh, Florida State is, is a very good win. But like you, you open them up, or Florida, for example. Florida, Florida. opens a season in the top ten mm-hmm. um, and haven't played like even a top twenty-five team nope. to this point. But you're looking at what they are, what they were supposed to be on paper, and you're thinking, I still have faith in them. I still think they're good, but. I got to put you know Rhode Island or, or whoever else Rutgers ahead of them because they played better. Sure, and and it doesn't matter, you know what I think about who's going to win on a neutral court tomorrow. No, I one I, team's I, had the better season. You judge the season up to that point. That that's that's pretty much what I think about too. The the team that I almost snuck in that is just red hot and a team that no one wants to see is East Tennessee State. Really, uh, they're fifteen and three. Okay. Uh, you know, six road wins. They, they 
you know, they're going to be one of those teams at the end where you say, well, they don't have any quad one wins. Well, guess what? No one wants to play East Tennessee State. Okay? East Tennessee State is 55 in Ken Palm, so they are not scrubs by any measure. 18-3 and three so far. 18-3. and three. And their three losses are Kansas on the road, North Dakota State on the road, Furman on the road. Furman's a top 70 team in Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that uh, they received a decent amount of votes. I'll be curious if... Uh, well, if they roll through their conference, that, that, that's that neon sign out there to say they're undefeated in the SOCON, which is always uh, a pretty good league. But anyways, yep. I didn't vote for them either, so that's what it is. I couldn't even tell you who I voted for as 2024 20, and 25. I'd have to flip through my uh, notes that aren't uh, available right now. But maybe next week. Yes, maybe next week. I have a, a, win, a convincing win against VCU will... Uh, make a lot of voters pause and think about the Rams. No question. Yep. As it should. Yep. Um, big game on Friday night. Big weekend for the Brown Bears. Uh, 0-2 in the Ivy League after playing maybe the best team in the Ivy League two games in a row. Thank you, Ivy League schedule makers. Mm. Uh, losing to Yale both on the road and at home. Uh, I think after watching Bill, you saw I saw the road game, you saw the home game. Yale's better. So, you know, we'll see where we stand if the two teams play again, you know, in the Ivy tournament, but Yale's better right now. Uh, they won at the Pizzatola Center, seventy-three, sixty-two. Uh, they have a very good defense. They locked Brown up, thirty-five percent shooting. Um, uh, they're a good team. Uh, again, you you saw them, and some of their better players, Jordan Bruner. Uh, Azar Swain didn't didn't even play all that well, and it didn't matter. Jordan Bruner had a deuce. Two free throws, no field goals. Azar Swain started two for nine. He made two big threes down the stretch, mm-hmm. granted, when Brown was making a push. It wasn't his night. Paul Atkinson was good, 24 points. He's their leading scorer. The guy who really hurt Brown was Matthew Cotton. And, and Matthew Cotton will give you some perspective on how good Yale is and how good the teams at the top of the Ivy League are. Matthew Cotton scored 20 points. It was a career high, I believe. What did he do it in the first game? Do you see that by chance? Uh, in the first because game. Because I don't remember. I, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I remember a kid who clearly looked confident firing away from the three-point line, but he didn't make many. One for five, three points. There you go. Well, I'll let you continue. It, well, I, here here's what it takes to play at the top of the Ivy League these days. Matthew Cotton's a sophomore guard, in, sophomore guard out in New Jersey. Listen to the offers he had coming out of high school. Rhode Island, Harvard, Miami, Oklahoma State, Penn, Rutgers, Seton Hall, Temple, VCU, Virginia Tech, and more. And he's coming off the bench mm. for Yale, 45 games into his college career, 50 games into his college career, and scoring 20 points in a road game. So that gives you an idea of, of how good Yale is, because mm. I, I think they're pretty good. Um, it also gives you an idea of, of the challenge that Brown Faces to try to get into that top two, three, or four. It's it's a very stiff test to try and play fourteen times in that league. Yale uh, fifty three in the net. It's going to be hard for them to get any higher, just because of the way the uh, the math works. So, uh, and then Harvard is also in the top one hundred in the uh, in the Ivies. I think they uh, let me see. They're ninetieth. Those are the only two. Uh, top 100 teams. I, I think Penn can play with both of those teams uh, on 
not a given night, every night. Sure. Uh, and then we'll see what happens from then on. But Brown uh, is looking to be in that top four and in that Ivy tournament. Uh, they need to win two games this weekend, really vital games. Cornell and Columbia are picked at the bottom of the Ivy League. Yep. Uh, but those games are always very competitive, very tight. Uh, Cornell is first. Uh, their star is the great Jimmy Beheim. Oh, very good. Yes. Very uh, good. Near and dear to Kevin Mack. Who has hurt Brown over the years. Uh, he's a senior now, so that, that'll, that'll be a matchup uh, to watch. And then Columbia comes in here on Saturday night. So uh, one more thing on, on the Ivy League. Uh, we, yeah, big news on the Ivy League. This yeah, week. and we've knocked the Ivy League schedule maker around. Uh, for lack of creativity, basically they don't change anything in the Ivy League. Uh, deservedly so. And uh, now we have to praise them because they are changing the Ivy League basketball schedule for men and women going forward. Next, Beginning next season, they're going to uh, now, instead of playing every weekend, twice Friday and Saturday for eight straight weeks, they're going to spread it out over ten weeks. So start a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bring the kids back from break a little earlier. Makes makes some sense. And not play as many doubleheaders. They're going to play three doubleheader weekends uh, and then one opponent weekends, uh, one opponent games uh, interspersed to add up to the same 14 games and uh, the same four-team playoff at the end of the season. But it's just more normal, Bill. And I know back to our friend Bill Reynolds, you know, the Friday, Saturday nights, that, that's what the Ivy League traditionalists were holding on to. It, it just it didn't work anymore. I also think that you know, sort of ending that long exam break that they had uh, with some competitive games is, is really important. Uh, you look at Brown this year; their schedule uh, between the tenth and the twenty eighth of December, they were off, hmm. uh, and then from the second to the seventeenth of January, they only played one game, and that was against Johnson and Wales, Division three team. Yeah. And you just can't have those sorts of gaps. And expect to be a sharp, competitive team. And, and I know the Ivies are all dealing with the same thing. They're all playing the same schedule. I, I understand that. But in terms of recruiting, in terms of coaching your players, player development, uh, you know, just being around your guys more often. The schedule, the way it was, was just really, really hard. And and I know, you know, speaking to TJ Sorrentine, Brown's associate head coach, uh, over the winter break, you know, right before this passed, he he said. Uh, you know they're thinking about changing the schedule for next year, and we love it. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can't wait for it to get here. We can't wait to have our guys around more. Um, and I think he's absolutely right. I, I think it's a move that they needed to make, and you know, finally some proactivity from the Ivy League. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, we'll see how it. Basically, they'll still have that big exam break in December, but they'll be able to play an Ivy League game almost the first weekend. Uh, basically, when everyone else starts conference play right. in that first uh, first chunk of a January, right. ins- instead of sitting and waiting and playing one game for the first you know two and a half weeks. But uh, to wrap up here, uh, Bryant is on the road. Very difficult uh, trip at Robert Morris Thursday and uh, at St. Francis of Pennsylvania on Saturday night. Bryant's off to a two and five start in the NEC. Uh, it's not getting late, but it's getting late. You know, you got to start grabbing some wins if they want to be in the NEC tournament uh, and, and be in the thick of what has been a really even uh, league. But it's time to join the fight. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, you're, you're giving a little too much ground in terms of trying to get one of those you know home court games for a quarterfinal. Uh, you really need to start making a move now if you're Bryant. They were on a four-game losing streak uh, before they beat Wagner. 
uh, 79-58 last Thursday. That was their 10th win, which matches their total from all last season. Uh, you know, so kudos to Bryant. Gives you an idea of you know how far they've come in, in the span of a couple of years. Uh, you know, but obviously. Still work to be done here, having lost five of the last six in the NEC. Um, you know, and, and two tough places to go, obviously. Robert Morris, traditionally pretty good. And, you know, St. Francis, PA, you know, not exactly a, a, an easy one either. Uh, they started five and one. They've lost three in a row in the NEC. So you would imagine that they're going to be hungry to try and turn it around uh, on Saturday. And God bless Bryant. I want them to do well. But I think I know who I'm rooting for in the NEC. Who you got? Merrimack. Merrimack. So Merrimack is a... They could be the glitch in the matrix here. Very much. They're a first-year Division One program, and they're good. Good to the point where they could win the NEC, but they're ineligible for both the NCAA tournament and the NIT. Yeah. Um, what a great story that would be. Unbelievable. Yeah, and they're right. in position. Uh, Seven and one. Yeah. I mean, they're off to a great start. Uh, we've seen them. Uh, they came in and, and knocked around Brown, and they no all, Brown crushed them. Didn't they go at Brown? Uh, Brown went up there and, and struggled. Brown beat them by thirty. Bryant lost to them up there, seventy-one sixty-seven. And obviously, uh, they had Providence down by twelve. Had Providence here. in big trouble. They won at Northwestern, yeah, which you know was a major surprise in their very first game. Yeah, the second on the game. first weekend, first second road game. game. But uh, yeah, it, it's. It's a cute little story. It's our little New England story, and uh, Merrimack won't be eligible to be in the NCAA tournament for the first four years of its uh, of its time in the NEC. So it's a difficult transition, boy, to be something for them to win the NEC regular season title. But uh, and you know, every Power Five school in the world is rooting for Merrimack. By the way, takes away the auto bid. It does. Yes, if they it does. win the NEC tournament. So all these teams who are... I wonder if they can go to the NEC tournament. So all these teams in the ACC who are 12-8 and and like 5-5 and saying, go Little Merrimack. Give us a chance to sneak into Dayton in the first four. I'm going to check on that. My guess is they can't play in the NEC tournament. They can just play the regular season games to avoid that because that would be disastrous for the NEC. Right, it would. Yeah, but uh, we'll have that breaking NEC news for you guys uh, on next week's Pick and Pop podcast. Uh, Enjoy the uh, heart of the college basketball season. We'll check in again next week.